For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's a Tuesday night, and I'm looking at the Ganassim catalog, uh, which again, they're having their uh, uh, auction, online auction this week, that's G-E-N-A-Z-Y-M. They asked me to speak about some of the items that are being sold, which are uh, historically precious items. That's an understatement. And I was looking around, and one that caught my eye, especially because Hanukkah's around the corner, they're selling one of the earliest uh, editions of Yossi Fun from Venice in 1544. That's the third printing of it. It was the first in 1400s. That's really, really early. I told you the other day, anything published for 1500s is really early. And then there were another two dates uh, when it was published in 1510 in Constantinople, and then ours, the one that's for here, 1544. So it's really an early edition of Yossi Fung. Now, uh, herein lies a tale, because when I say Yossi Fung, um, I immediately talk about Josephus, uh, which I think many of the people listening to this podcast know was a guy who wrote a history book, actually a series of history books, at the time of Bayashani, at the Chorban. I think anybody knows anything at all, or who's ever listened to anime podcast, Nagea to Tishabov, has heard of Josephus as a person who describes in great detail the war against the Romans. He wrote a whole book called Bella Judaica, The War of the Jews Against the Romans. And it's always been a question, you know, is it reliable or not? Because in some areas, he... Stims with the Gemara and the Chazal, and other areas he does not. And some areas they're like, a, you know, um, in in a tense relationship to each other. Uh, that's the historian called Flavius Josephus. However, many people make the mistake of thinking, and in Jewish history this was very common, and hence the historical interest of this book that's being offered at the Genozim auction on Sunday, and they conflate the book of the books of Flavius Josephus on the one hand with those of Yosephon on the other. Because Yosephon purports to be the same thing as Flavius Josephus, just a Hebrew version of it. So Josephus wrote his book as again, undoubtedly, at a time in the Khurban Bayes region. He lived there. In fact, the reason they call him Flavius Josephus is because he was sort of like semi adopted by the Roman royal family, imperial family, Flavius uh Vespasian and Flavius Titus, that was their name, they're called the Flavian Dynasty, three emperors, Vespasian, Titus, and the Domitian, and the Domitian was wiped out. So, uh, as often happened to Roman dynasties. Now, uh, that was a real guy. Whether or not he's a liar or not is a separate issue. I've discussed this on occasion, and the truth is 50-50. I actually have a talk about it online somewhere, if someone's interested. Uh... It's pretty controversial because he criticized the Jews a lot in terms of the war with the Romans. I just uh, met a fellow, Lenny, who's uh, helping me. He lives in the Shamron, and he's helping me if he's listening, hopefully on my uh, forthcoming trip to Israel. Uh, and uh, he gave me this book by this Israeli professor from uh, West Bank College, uh, Ariel, I forget the name, uh, Michal Ben-Ari, some name, name like that who was making, so to speak, the case that Josephus is a damn liar and that the uh, 
Biryonim, shall we say, were actually good guys, and he has ways of, uh, I mean, he's a serious scholar, and ways of getting, you know, explaining away why Josephus uh, shoots the bull. Having said that, there's another book called Yosifan, which Klal Yisrael discovered long ago, the Frum world discovered long ago. They considered it the real Josephus, or the one with which they're familiar. And this is the Sefer that was used by many Rishonim and Achronim down the centuries. And it's the source of a lot of what you find in Sfarim, although they too used the book uh, carefully and gingerly, shall we say. Carefully and gingerly. Um, that's kind of interesting. This book, Yosifan, does not appear among the Jews to like the 900s to 1000s. You know, roughly around the time of Rabbeinu Gershom. Roughly. Um, although it claims to be really a thousand years older than that. Uh, who knows? It don't seem that way. So most historians will tell you, 99.99% of historians will tell you, that Yosifun is a from knockoff of uh, Josephus, where somebody is retelling the stories that he could read in Josephus, who apparently wrote in Greek, um, and this guy could read Greek, but he puts it into Hebrew, a very nice Hebrew, by the way, a very flowing and famous Hebrew, uh, and called it Yosifun. And he claims it's not clear he got it from the original, he is the original, of some kind of connection with it. And since the book was in Hebrew, Yosifun, in manuscript form, of course, it spread all across Klai Yisrael. Again, I'm talking about the time of Rabbeinu Gershom and afterwards. And it was, you know, even some of the early Pythonim have this stuff in it. And it spread everywhere and became one of those really beloved books of Klai Yisrael. Not the same way, but something along the lines of what I talked about the other day with the book by Marie Weil. Ad Kedekach, that Yosifon was republished 60 times, which is a lot, until recently, and now recently uh, they've been published in scholarly editions in Israel. The professors are getting their hands on it. And I don't want to bore you with technical details, but the uh, books that are published really are based on different manuscripts and some add and some subtract. I don't want to get into that because this is a podcast. But um, suffice it to say that there exist several versions of the book, but what they all have in common is they're telling over in a from way and in a Jewish patriotic way. They give you a shot in the arm. You read this and you want to join the army, you know, a very patriotic way. The history of Claudius through all the way Josephus does. Um, with an emphasis, I might say, on the wars against the Greeks and the Romans. And the reason I'm against the Greeks and the Romans. He's got other stuff in there. I mean, the, the book starts like uh, the, the Sefer Devarim with Automarishan, you know what I mean? It's like, uh, whatever, you know, it's a... Uh, well, let me see, open the first page here. Uh, Adam, holy to Shays, but Shays, holy to Enosh, Enosh, holy to Canaan. And he wants to get to, uh, to uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, shame. That's where he's going, you know? So in one paragraph, he knocks off the whole thing, tells about the Migdal Bobo, and he talks about B'nai Ephes, and then he gets right down to shame. Because that's the story of the Jews. We're Semites, right? Now, um, that's very interesting. Very quickly, if you read through it, he covers like a thousand, two thousand years. He gets around to the time of Alexander the Great. You get to Alexander the Great, then you already have to do with, you know, stories of Shem Natsadik, and then stuff between the Jews and the Greeks. The most important part of which 
are the Hanukkah wars, and that's the reason I'm mentioning this today. Not only because this um, old edition is being auctioned off in Gnazim this uh, Sunday, uh, like I say, the third ed printed edition, but because somehow or other the Sefer Yosifun, not the Book of Josephus, uh, the Sefer Yosifun was taken by Claudius to its heart, the Frum heart, and became part and parcel in many places of how you celebrate Hanukkah, Ad Kedekach, that I'm reading in the Kitzer Shulchan which I don't have to tell you what that is. And he talks in the beginning of Hilchus Hanukkah, which is in uh, Koflamites. And he talks about, you know, the miracle of the thing, and they made an oil, and uh, you light the candles, and um, uh, what do you call it? He talks also about, uh, you know, where they have Hanukkah parties. And then, again, I'm reading Kitzer Shulchan Aruch with Shlomo Gansri. So in other words, when he's getting to the question about the halachic question, a very famous one, which is, is there such thing as halachically as a Hanukkah party? Because the Gemara says that a Hanukkah was made not so nevertheless, it's clearly been a custom in Klai Yisrael from way back when, to have Hanukkah parties. And so each Mechaber tries to justify it this way and that way. And what the Kitzvah Shonach says is, you want to make it into a, 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 a how should I put it, a uh, Suda's Mitzvah, tell over the Hanukkah story. You don't have to do this, but if you want to, it's a kind of Haggadah, so to speak. So to speak. Um, where do you get the stories of Hanukkah? So here's the interesting part. Let's say you're dealing with a from Jew, and let's say he wants to celebrate Hanukkah. And let's say he's just not a, uh, simply a gamar, gamar, gamar type guy. If you have a family where everybody's an adult and very learned, you can learn the gamar and discuss the sugi of a kapsa zakagla or uh, what do you call it, tuma hutra and all that kind of stuff. The kind of thing you can find put together, for example, in Zevin's Modim Balocha for e easy sake. Or you could discuss, you know, the miracle of the oil. Why do you need eight days when they already had... Uh, in other words, why is it eight days? Why is it seven days? And all that kind of stuff. That's fine with me. But one thing that's missing from that halachic Hanukkah, that Talmudic Hanukkah, is tell me about Judah Maccabee and the wars against the Greeks. They don't tell you that stuff. That stuff remains outside of the Talmud. Particularly the Gemara and Shabbos, which is mainly focused on the nitty-gritty questions of the halachas, of the, of, of the ritual, of the menorah, you know, that kind of thing, right? The, the neros, and so forth and so on, as we know. You know, mishtam shambara, ain't mishtam shambara, that kind of stuff. Because that's who we Jews are. But nevertheless, in the background lies the powerful story of the wars of the Maccabees, the revolt of the Maccabees against the Greeks, which are not really discussed. Now, if you want to be a real historian, and I've done this, I know, in the past, you can take the trouble to open the um, Megillus Tynus and go through the whole Megillus Tynus, and you will find here and there certain references to episodes in the Maccabean Wars. Uh, and then you have to sit down to get, and stitch them together to come up with some kind of a narrative. Even then, you'll have thin fare. You'll have, you know a thin net uh, off the top of my head you know in the beginning of uh, I mean already a month ago something like 25 Cheshman 
in the book of the Megillus Tainus, it'll say it was Yom Azorah when they captured already the base of Migdash and they got rid of that um, brothel, that whorehouse that the Greeks put up on, on um, in the Azar, the Harabias, to, you know, to show contempt for the Jews. And when they knocked it down, which was the Sarega, uh, so obviously that was the removal of a tremendous Chol Hashem. And underneath they found diamonds. There's a Gansa story over there. And that day was the Megillus Tainus Day, the little Mishra, the little So that's one little piece, tiny, tiny piece of the Maccabean Wars. There's another place where it talks about Antiochus the fifth, not Antiochus the fourth, withdrawing. I think that was in uh, Tebes or something like that. You see what I'm saying? You can kind of put it together, but even then, Iker Chasim and Asefer, you will not find in rabbinic literature what we call Torah literature any kind of coherent account, any kind, on the Maccabean Wars, especially from the military and heroism points of view. Uh, now, there was a knockoff of the uh, story called Miguel Santiochus, which again was also written something along those time, around the same time or maybe a little earlier. Uh, but the real place where they have the stories of the battles and the military campaigns is in the two books in the Apocrypha, the first book of Maccabees and the second book of Maccabees. In other words, there are two books which survive only in Greek. I've talked about this many times in the past. And, you know, you can get them if they're online. And um, the first book of Maccabees tells the story in a straightforward way. The second book of Maccabees tells the story somewhat different in a more roundabout way. There are reasons for that. I don't want to go into that now. It'll get us off track. But in those two books lie most of the stories that you and I have ever heard since we're kids. However, that is because these were in the Apocrypha, which are Sfarm Chitsonium, these are the books that were rejected by the Jewish people by the Rabbonim, um, from being part of the Torah. So it's very unlikely that most Jews ever had access to reading them. I mean, you'd have to know Greek or Latin or something like that. One then Hebrew is a Gaisha thing, you know, part of the New Testament, even though it has nothing whatsoever to do with Christianity. Still, what kind of a guy is going, you know, what kind of a Jew in the Middle Ages or afterwards, or a Jew in Eastern Europe is going to open up a New Testament to find the apocryphal parts? They ain't going to do it. You know, very few, okay? So where do you get, inquiring minds want to know, where do you get an account of the Hanukkah story, of the battles? And the answer is, there was a Sefer Yosifon. Because again, I repeat, the, the actual history of Josephus, which was in Greek and translated European languages, was not the type of thing that was read you know, by most Jews, most Rabbonim and all the rest. You'd have to know, you'd have to have had a secular education over there and things like that. And you know... That's not where Jews were, most of them. You may find a few Rishonim here and there that actually read Josephus, um, Ramban, surprisingly, but, uh, but they're a call not. On the other hand, to, f- to fill this objective gap that existed between the Olam on the one hand and the Hanukkah story on the other hand, so the book of Josephus was compiled and put together in the 900s by somebody, we don't know who, and he claimed it's the original Josephus or something like that. And he copied out of the first book of Maccabees and the second book of Maccabees and some from Flavius Josephus, who himself copied from those two books, the basic stories of Judah Maccabee and the campaigns there. Okay? Uh, which are very interesting. If you're interested historically in the details 
of the fights between the Greeks and the and the, and the Jews, the Seleucid Empire and and the Maccabean army, such as small as they were. Now we do speak about this in a very general way in the Alanisim. And so forth. But they don't tell you anything about it. So we are machshiv the wars, get it? You can't say, well, the Gemara doesn't talk about it because the Chazal didn't give a darn about the wars. They're only interested in the menorah. And anyway, the Maccabees turned out to be bad later. And there was this, that, and the other. Because the Jewish religion has retained the Alanism, which glorifies the wars in a firm way. That they do. And so the answer, my friends, is that the Jewish people, whenever Hanukkah pulled out, everybody pulled out their copy of Yosifan, which was therefore extremely widely uh, distributed and popular. They used to make many copies of it in the Middle Ages, although since they were read so much, they're worn out. And when they were printed, uh, as I said, they printed over and over and over again in Yiddish and all kinds of languages, because there was a tremendous thirst to know about the history of this time. It's a rare case in Jewish history where the Jews were mil- militarily successful and glorious. Right? Judah Maccabee, whatever you want to say, comes across as one of the great generals in history. In fact, there's a statue of him in, in West Point. Uh, imaginary statue. Now, uh, you don't got too many generals in, in Jewish history. You don't have too many successful ones. I mean, who can you raise your hand? Who can you name me? Who's a famous Jewish general, commander? You got David and Melech, and maybe one or two others. You know, Yeshua ben Nun. I don't know, Yoav. You know, I, but that's it. You see, what I'm saying, very small number. And here you have something that the Goyim also talked about, and so the results are quite remarkable. And the book of Yosifon is written, as they say, in a very flowing biblical kind of Hebrew, and and very dramatic. Okay, very dramatic. And so the result is that uh, anybody could read regular Hebrew, could uh, you know, uh, read the stories of of um, of Judah Maccabee, which are told in great detail, and it's very stirring because he talks about the persecutions by the Greeks, and the heroism of the Jews, and the betrayal by the Hellenists, and so on and so forth. And I'll tell you again. The good part and the good stuff is taken from Maccabees 1 and Maccabees 2. Maccabees 2 has the story of the martyrdom, Khan and the seven sons, uh, in gruesome details. So that's what he's got over here. Okay? Uh, you can sort of see. And by the way, he tells you the real... Um, the re- I mean, it's pretty much copied straight out of the book. So it's a Hebrew copy of a Greek text, uh, you know, long and long ago. And... Uh, uh, except that he doesn't go through the exact gruesome details, because in the other book it says they, they chopped off the guy's head, um, uh, arms and nose and everything, and then they fried him alive in a frying pan. Here all it says is, Vayomas harisha miachronim. You know, Vayomas gamashenim miachim. doesn't go into details. So you can tell he, you know, Jews don't like to read that kind of gross stuff. Uh, and The Greeks still love that sort of thing. So, uh, and then, you know, and by the way, I think Yosifan, I believe, is the guy who says it's Chana. Get it? Notice the Gemara just says the Isha, and elsewhere it just says there was a Jewish lady. But uh, Yosifan is the one who gives her a name, Chana. Chana and the Seven Sons, which you've all heard about. Okay? And uh, I'll say it again. You end up with the campaigns of Judah Maccabee. Um, and this stirred Jews 
down the centuries. Notice they really used to go on Hanukkah and pull out this book, and they would read pages and pages of, you know, of this, and they would get thrilled, okay? Um, because the Jew in the ghetto was pretty downtrodden, and you're waiting for Mashiach, and they can never fight it back against the Goyim, and they always had to turn the other cheek, and life was lousy in this way. And here you read about uh, Hanukkah. I can tell you right now, the average regular Jew, not the Talmud Chacham, for him, the main part of Hanukkah was reading and hearing the stories of Jidah Maccabee, uh, not the miracle of the oil. I mean, that's important too. And Anais is, of course, Anais. But you have to have a certain religious sensibility to say that Anais is more important than the war. Um, for most people, it's it's whatever. Now, the problem is that in the book of Maccabees, so it's a from safer, get it? However, since he's copying off and making a knockoff of Josephus, so um, sometimes when Josephus does not agree with the Gemara, you're going to find the same problem in Yosefun. Sometimes not. As I said, sometimes he changes it to Shtim with Chazal, and sometimes he does not. Um, one of the classic examples, by the way, is Hanukkah. Um, because um, the Book of Maccabees 1 and the Book of Maccabees 2 are famous that they do not mention the miracle of the oil. They only talk about the war. Notice, if you read the account over there, and again, I've done this in earlier podcasts, especially during Corona, you know, you, the, 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 the nace of the Pach Shemin is only found in the Megillus Tinus, in the uh, paragraph of it, the Scolio, as they call it, the paragraph, which, however, is copied in the Talmud Babli. So we follow it because we say if the Gemara says it, then they must have investigated and it must have been a miracle with the oil. But in in the original sources of Maccabees 1 and Maccabees 2, there's nothing about the oil, just about the military victories. Okay? And Josephus also, who copies that of Maccabees 1 and 2, for whatever reason, he omits the miracle of the oil. And he talks about Hanukkah just being a, a military victory, although he does say that for he says something like this For some reason, we call it Chag Ha'urim. I don't know why. The holiday of lights. Uh, I don't know why. Now, I used to teach this stuff in high school um, with the Doris Harishonim, the from a version of it. No, it was a Victor Miller book. And what by that I mean that those places where Josephus uh, omits or differs from Chazal might be taken and are often taken as indications that Chazal are wrong. So knows you'd have the average historian. If it's in Josephus, I'll believe it. It's in the Gemara, heck with it. Um, this was the attitude, certainly, of the modern Jewish historians in the 19th century, and it's so today. Uh, this led to the from world, you know, of being against the history books, but they didn't know what to answer, okay? They didn't know what to answer. In the late 1800s, early 1900s, the uh, Yitzhak Isaac Alevi um, Rabinowitz, wrote this multi-volume uh, business called Doris Rishonin, who a friend of mine who I was, last year I saw in Lawrence, published a biography of him, um, Bergman, you can get online. And the Doris Rishonin, which is written in a weird way, it's uh, very out of order, but nevertheless, if you take the trouble to read it, he argues, he was really a Shiva Shagai, and a, a brilliant Talmud Chacham, uh, a little too brilliant, and he makes the argument that, you know, Chazal are right and Josephus is wrong, when they differ. Um, and he, you know, brings a lot of proofs and riots and that sort of thing. Notice he engages in history like you would engage in a shear, you might say. And Rabbi Victor Miller 
loved it so much that he put it into English. So that's your uh, Torah Nation and Exalted People and maybe another one or two. And I think in the Torah Nation, he talks about the Maccabean Wars and the Hanukkah story. And he'll attack and stigmatize Josephus as a bum for omitting purposefully the miracle of the oil. Knows you knew it's true and you left it out anyway. Uh, and he's got a whole rating on it. So if you're in, if you're at all interested in the subject and you've never heard about it before, although I'm sure many have, you know, you'll get the uh, my advice to the English reader is to get the Victor Miller book. Uh, I think it's called Terminion, and you'll you'll plow through it. Um, but What's interesting is that uh, Yitzhak Isaac Alevi, who was a historian, uh, never quotes Yosifun, because he knows that's just a knockoff. He always quotes Josephus, whether Latov or Lara, whether he agrees with him or disagrees with him. Yosifun, he knows, is a golden oldie, and I'm sure in his own family, that's what they had in the library, and I'm sure when it comes to Hanukkah, they read the Yosifun, because that's the old minhag. Uh, but it's not the same... It's not the same thing as saying that that is the real version of Josephus and the other versions are not true. Uh, however, uh, maybe I'm wrong because I myself have an edition of Yosefon that I picked up in Israel years ago in Meisharim, uh with Nikudos. That's the reason I bought it. You know me. And it's kind of cool. And it's put out, obviously, by some sort of Haredi uh, author. And uh, or publishing house of some kind or another, Hotzas Perach, and he goes on to argue very heavily that you know this is the real Josephus, and the regular Josephus is is, is fake, and you know and and the fact that that the Rashi and other people use this safer, which is true, proves that it's true. Well, whatever, he can say that. That just make it so. Nevertheless, if anybody asks me. What is the current edition? Not the rare first printing that you have over here in Venice in 1544, which is being auctioned in the Gnosim for three or four or $5,000, something like that. Uh, but if you ask me for everyday use, I would say get the Yosifu and the Kudos, because that's who I am. Uh, it's a two volumes. And he is therefore going to be puzzled when... You read the Hanukkah story and you see all those stories of Judah Maccabee and the bravery and the Allahs are being crushed by the elephant and the guns, all nine yards that we're familiar with. And then when it comes to the actual Hanukkah itself, so here's the funny part. It says, I'll read you the, the paragraph. After their victory. Now, not the final victory. This is not Hanukkah. Because from a historical point of view, Hanukkah is inaccurate if you take it to mean that you know they ended the war then. If you tell me it was like a timeout, or, or a respite in the war, that's true. If you take a Hanukkah, which many, many do, that's not accurate. But anyway, They knocked down all the Mizbeach that the Goyim put up. And they were Metaher, they purified the temple from the Gaisha stuff. And they set up the And here they take it from the second book of Maccabees. That they wanted Eish Kedosha, which had come from heaven at the beginning of Bayashane or something like that. So they called out 
to Hashem, send us an ish like Minashamayim, but takes the ish min Avonim Hashem Mizbeach, and miraculously, a fire shot forth without any uh, fire attached to it, just from its own. Min who Avonim Hashem Mizbeach by Yarku Eitzim Olecho by Tira Zibchon, right? So in other words, you had a miracle, but the miracle was not that the oil lasted for eight days, but that a fire came out of nowhere from the Mizbeach itself. And uh, that way, they had a per- permanent fire. And that fire remained on the Mizbeach continually until the Romans destroyed it. And therefore, they made Chanukah's Mizbeach in commemoration of this fire thing that I just told you on the 25th of Kislev. Now, the publisher here, who's clearly a May Sharm type, has in a footnote, In other words, how come you, you, you don't find in Yosefin or in the Alanisim any reference to the miracle of the oil? But then he just leaves it like that. But you see, Malachim upon him, Al-Shulchan Hashem, by Adlikon Nerizam Ramrach, Al-Nerizam Hashem, by Halushem B'Mikra, Halushem Adis Yomim. They lit the, the Nerus. He doesn't talk about any miracle. and But that's identical to what you read in the first book of Maccabees. So all I'm saying is, you never know what you come across in Yosifun. Which is why the famous Rishon Machronim have always had like a funny attitude towards it. You know, sort of like Kabdeh V'Chashdehu or something like that. And I'm looking in the introduction over here um, to this book, which the um, publisher put over here. And uh, um, how should I put it over here? It says that, um, you know, different Shonim treated differently. Gedoli Yisrael, Rabbi Mero Shonim, Hirbul Haskar, Yosef, Matasio, Bikisfeim. Many of the Shonim quote this book, which they conflated with Yosef, Matasio. Now, Yosef, Matasio was actually the real Josephus. The guy who wrote this book says his name is Yosef Ben-Gurion. And who, who are the Rishonim that quote from Yosefun? Rashi, Tosas, Ibn Ezra, Ban Radak. Gam Rabbi, Migdoli, Achronim, History of Mehem. Maral, Matsudas, Dabir, Ratzadik, Hakomi, Lublin, Ba'od. Now the Maral of Prague, um, and this is true in the Baragola, um, what's the right, is Mafalpel with Yosefun. I think I did this once. If you look in the Maral Prague, he has problems with the story of the of um, Titus, whether he wanted the Basimation to be destroyed as a act of Rishus, or does he do like Josephus, which is the way the Gemara indicates, or does he want to do like Josephus, who is very reluctant actually to destroy the temple, and he tried not to make it happen. Um, but the very fact that the Maral would um, reconcile with him in the first place, if it was a non-from source, like, who cares what he said? The Maral wouldn't, wouldn't lower himself even to, to, to debate with him, you see? Migdoli Chachmi Chasidus, Rav Tzadik HaKohen, Kosev Orzu Al Tzadik, Zui Yassi Vodazik Shunim, Haram Besipur HaKorban, that there was all kind of, uh, you know, things lost in in the Korban and so forth, and in Yosefin and elsewhere. And I would simply say like this, Sefer Seder Adoraz Shem Temach David, Semach David is a history book written by Talmud of the uh, Morale. And he says, Yosef ben Gurion Chirba Sefer Achar Chorban. Now he believed in Yosefon, the student of the Morale, the Semach David. And he says that 
Yosef Ben-Gurion, which is the Yosifan, wrote this uh, at the time of the Churban, which is actually not true. And even though some of the things he says about Titus um, are so sir, what you find in Chazal, the guy was there and he was a from Jew. And that's why Gedolim, like the Maral, undertook to provide a kind of a dialectical reconciliation. Um, between what it says on the one hand in the Yosefus, or Yosefon, excuse me, and what it says on the other hand in um, in the other one, in, in the Gemara. So in the case of the Maral, Yosefon says he wanted to preserve it, the Gemara says he didn't. If I remember correctly, Maral will say, well, it means he wanted to preserve it, but sort of like a, a trophy for the Romans, not as a base of Migdash Mamish, something like that. Uh, so, you know, as they say before, if 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 I have to be miyasha, what you're saying with some of the Gemara, it means I, I hold from what you're saying. As you can see from what I'm talking about, Yosifon, when it comes to Hanukkah, therefore, is very, very important, very interesting. And if you want to know what your great-great-great-great-grandparents back in the old country, whether in Ashkenaz or Sephard, whether in East or West, I mean, Yosifon was translated into Judeo-Persian, get it? You know, in Arabic, Judeo-Arabic. It became a beloved among the Jews, wherever they are, for a whole bunch of reasons. Hanukkah. Hanukkah being a big part of it, and the other one, Tisha B'av, because he's got the stories from Josephus that go into gruesome detail, accurate detail, about the um, Corbin Beis Amigdash and the Roman Wars. Now, they don't stim all the time. You can tell, as I said before, coughing, um, you can tell that he's, you know, cutting and pasting, and he's leaving things in and out. And I want to say this also. Yosifon was in copy form. You know, people make copies of it. And especially since it was a history book, this guy added a little, this guy subtracted a little, this guy found from another source. And so when they finally put it into book form, I mean, I don't know, you know, the guy who, who published it in the 1400s said I chose four different manuscripts and things like that. And there were many he didn't have access to. And so... um you know, the, like I said before, you can't be mediac so closely because it depends which version of Yosefon you had. But if you're talking about, if you're interested in a, in a safer that was once in every Jewish educated home, I mean, I want you to understand, the Vilna Gaon had a copy of Yosefon. You know, the Ramah had a copy of Yosefon. The Rambam, I'm sure, had some sort of copy of Yosefon. It was considered part of the library of the intelligent uh, Talmud Chacham, uh, even though they probably didn't hear of Flavius Josephus. Uh, if you want to have that angle of how they saw the Jewish past, how they interpreted, then Yosefon is the book to get. So if you're a real, real, real old-fashioned Oberlander uh, from me, you'll do like the, the uh, Kids to Shukonach says, and you'll pull out Yosefon and you can read to the family that time. Now we have later things, you know, better things. I remember the art school many years ago, put out a thin book on Hanukkah, which, if I remember correctly, was in the 80s, and by Rabbi Goldworm, who was a real Tom Chacham, who knew Yosefon Cold, but he also knew Josephus, as well as the Roman and Greek historians. He was a big scholar, as, as well as a great Tom Chacham, a guy. He was a huge brain. 
and he will give you, I would say, a more accurate rendition of the Hanukkah story. So for the person out there who doesn't take the trouble to get a hold of the first book of Maccabees, the second book of Maccabees, and I don't see anybody doing that, uh, who, you know, m most from people don't get the Apocrypha in their house. Uh, you can, nothing wrong with it, but, you know, they don't do that. It is online. Uh, those books are translated into Greek. They're the Hebrew does not survive. If you look at the first book of Maccabees, you can tell it was originally written in Hebrew. But the second book of Maccabees was originally written in Greek. It's clear. Uh, if you put all that aside, you want to know how Jews saw this uh, and, and, and lived Hanukkah and lived Tisha B'Av, then you get the book of Yosifon. I can't tell you how many people were influenced down the centuries by the Sefer Yosifon. In terms of Jewish social history, it gave them the thrill to know that we had our ups and downs, but we had our ups also. And once in a while the time we were Giborim, and like I say, Robin Biadamatim, Tamim Badhurim, you know, Giborim Biadzadikim, whatever, Sham Biadzadikim, you know, the, 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 the fact that Jews actually win battles was a biggie. And the way most Jews accessed this was through the book of Yosifon. So what's being offered here is an auction is actually a very valuable sort of first edition of this uh, text. Today, as we're speaking, in the year 2020, 2021, 2022, 2023, for some reason in Israel, there's a whole tyram in the academic world about the Sefer Yosifun. Uh, there's a professor, Flusser, who just put out not long ago a critical edition of Yosifun from every manuscript out there. Uh, not that he's saying that it's Josephus. He's treating it as I'm treating it over here, as a book by itself, which has always had a very influential uh, role in the history of Kali Yisrael, major theme in Jewish culture. Uh, there's, a, there's a professor in America, maybe two of them, coming out with English translations of Flusser's edition. You get it? No, you're not getting translations of Flavius Josephus. Those exist also. Rather, you're getting translations of Sefer Yosifon to know how the Jews read it. Now, mind you, this book was known to the Goyim. It's part of the Ethiopian Bible. I'm serious. The Catholic Church knows about it and translated long ago. Every European, uh, you know, uh, culture, the, the English, the, the, the French, the, the Italian, and so forth, translated long ago. They were never 100% sure, is this the original Josephus, whatever, back and forth. In modern times, it's clear, you know. It, it, to me, it's not even a Shiloh. But the fact that people, you know, for a long, long time held that this is a version or maybe the proper version of Yosifun is fascinating because here's a book written in Hebrew, not in Greek, and it doesn't flatter the Goyim as much as the book of Flavius Josephus does. He was writing for the Roman emperors, so naturally he laid it on thick for them. Although, not as thick as you would imagine. Here... You have a book written by by a Jew for Jews. I don't think he expected it would be translated into Ethiopian or Armenian and all this stuff, but it was. And the reason is because his book is actually easier to read than Josephus's. Josephus wrote in the Greek style, at least the version we have, which is full of these long sentences that the Greeks used to like to do in the classical era. Two independent clauses connected by a semicolon. That is the classic, old-fashioned way of doing history in the Greek and Roman times. 
And, you know, if you like that, you like it. I mean, I grew up a little bit with that stuff. Uh, Yossi Fon reads like something anybody could read. It's written like in Chumash style, you might say, or Tanakh style. But uh, and the Hebrew is very easy. And if you have the Nakudas, it's Mamashem Achaya. <laughs> so if you're interested in what I'm saying, this is one of many approaches how to do the Hanukkah uh, story. One of many. Uh, the book that they're publishing over there is there for a, really a classic. Um, if the book kept being republished, I said 60 times, I'm not including these modern editions. So there's two professors, I believe, who are coming out with, um, I mean, like now, any day, they're coming out with modern uh, English translations of the academic, uh, you know, a version of uh, Yosifan. You know what I mean? And it's kind of interesting that for some reason, this interest is, is, is current. And um, it's kind of, here it is, Stephen Bowman, okay, uh, with translation of Critical Edition in November 2022. Son of a gun, look at that. And in November 2023, an English translation of Homer's edition of Yosipan, which I think is the, uh, the from one, the one that they did in May, in May of Charm. So uh, it's, it's uh, not a well-known today, but it was very, very well known in the time of your great-great-great-grandparents. And uh, I think that itself makes it a classic. If you're interested in spending three to $7,000 on it, uh, that's good. But even if not, this the, the book of Yosifan deserves to be better known than it is uh, today. And to clarify the uh, the confusion between Yosifan on the one hand and Yosifan on the other. Uh, so again, it's in the Gnosim catalog, which is um, going to be held the auction this coming Sunday. And with that, I bid you all a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.